Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Geek Wave. This is the low-budget show. It's the show solo. It has no budget. Again, we are back. It is the New Year's Eve as the time of this recording. Is that when this will go live? I don't think so. I think maybe a couple days after that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't know. It just depends how my night goes. If I'm bored, maybe it'll come out early. But I think maybe Friday will be out. So New Year's Day, expect to listen to this on wherever you listen to this show. Guess what? We're following up on an old geek wave we've done. One of the earliest geek waves I did was talking about the best sitcoms of the 2010s. And now I'm like, well, let's go back a decade and let's talk about the 2000s. Now, arguably, this was the hardest one to do for me just because there wasn't a lot in the 2000s I thought was good. We'll get into it in a bit. We have a couple of pieces of news we're going to talk about. Not a lot, actually. Just two pieces of news I do want to bring up. And then the rest will get right into the show. So I'm going to say this might be a shorter episode than usual in terms of the Geek Wave. I know I say that every week and then we go for like 40 minutes. But I don't know what's going to happen there. couple of announcements, though. First off, I do have my favorite comic book series in the works. By the time of this recording, the first three episodes will be out. Episode 4 will be dropping on Monday which will be focusing on the Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon comic book Preacher, which is one of my favorite comic books ever, obviously. And I think it's one a lot of people should check out. I can't wait to show you. And hopefully, starting next week, too, we will see the release of Galactic Tales. I think I'm just going to drop a bunch at the beginning of the year, and people can just be like, oh, this is going to be a weekly show we get a feel for. So I hope that is successful, and that's what we do. Managed to get going. Hopefully that happens. A lot of stuff's been pushed back here because of just the way life's turned out and the way things have been going on. I hope I can get that going soon. And if not, then hey, that's just how life goes, isn't it? Things happen. Things get pushed back. Look at the Batman, you know? Pushed back beyond, I don't even know, was it coming out 2022 now? Yeah, long time. But we got a couple pieces of news. Not a lot, like I said. And the first one I wanted to bring up was the fast track of Wonder Woman 3. So, 84 came out. Wonder Woman 84 came out. I happen to be a big supporter of that movie. I thought it was fantastic. Very engaging. Very interesting. Did a lot of cool stuff that I was on board with. And, of course, because of the film's success, it's like the highest weekend opening for a movie during the pandemic. The highest streaming thing for anything in the pandemic. So because of that, they're like, yeah, we're going to fast track Wonder Woman 3. Patty Jenkins is signed on to return. Gal Gadot is signed on to return. How's that going to look going forward? I don't know, but I'm like, that's cool. I don't know if that means their Cleopatra movie is going to be put on hold or if they're, or if, I mean, Jenkins, Wonder Woman, not Wonder Woman, if Jenkins, like, squadron movie for Star Wars is going to be pushed back even further or if, could she, is there time for her to work on that before she goes to Star Wars, that's pretty close, they'd have to start filming this year, or 2021, I should say, to actually maybe meet the release, but then she'd probably jump right into Rogue Squadron, so that's pretty, that's a pretty tight schedule if she does do that, I'd have to imagine she'd probably do it after she does Rogue Squadron, so that's at least till 2024 when they start to release that, if even. I don't know. I'm happy they're doing that, at least. It's kind of fun. Not really sure where they can go in the future for that plot or those characters, but hopefully something interesting comes about it. I don't know. Could be anything, really. And the next piece of news I wanted to bring up was Margot Robbie has been teasing and talking about her involvement in the Barbie movie. Now, this is really cool of me. I don't know why. I'm very excited to see a Barbie movie. I've always been fascinated with that toy line. I've said it numerous places. I don't think I've ever said it on this podcast, though. I would probably collect Barbie 
if like I had the time and money to do so. I think there's something really cool about that world and those characters that I'd love to engage with and just have. And I think that'd be really fun. I, I'm very excited to see what this movie looks like. It's been pushed around for a long time. A lot of people working on it. A lot of different creatives working on it. But it makes sense to me that this is where we'd go. I mean, Margot Robbie's a very attractive woman. Barbie's a very hot property. I'm amazed we haven't done this before in a live action capacity. But what can I say? Works for me. Very excited to see how that's going to look and what that could turn out to be. So that's about it for news. I guess I could bring up the uh, the kind of like sneak peek we got for the Beatles Get Back. I'm very excited for that. You know, Peter Jackson, for some reason, this is going to be on Disney Plus, I think is what they're saying, which is kind of, it just seemed weird to me that the Beatles are going to Disney Plus. That always just makes me laugh a little bit. But we got a sneak peek at that. I think it looks pretty good. I'm very excited to see what this is going to be. We'll probably talk about that more when the movie comes out, but that's something I'm going to look forward to a lot, actually. It actually might be my most anticipated movie of 2021. I might do a, my most anticipated for 2021 in terms of movies. We'll see. That's at the top of my list, though. That is probably at the top of my list. That's all we have for news. <laughs> like I said, it's not a lot, but it's enough to make us go, yeah, what a great way to end the year. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be talking about the best sitcoms of the 2000s. So like I said at the beginning, there wasn't a lot for me to choose from here. I had a hard time coming up with ideas for the best sitcoms of the 2000s. Mainly because I think it's like a dry area where television was very bleak. We had the writer's strike in 2007, so not a lot came out in that area. And like the early 2000s, we were mainly seeing the end of a lot of sitcoms from the 90s. And so I'm not going to have any of like those big shows from the 90s on here. You're not going to see Frasier or Friends be mentioned. But there are some from the 90s that will appear on here. I think just one, actually. But it was hard. This, this list was really hard to make. I actually have some on my list. One in particular I put on here because I know I'm going to get comments if I don't. It's not a show I particularly enjoy, but it's one that I knew if I didn't put it on the list, it would be talked about. And it's shorter than my 2010 list because my 2010 like was the peak era of comedy. You know, it started with Modern Family giving us the single camera deadpan stuff where everything's fun and dry. Dan Harmon came into prominence. Everything was big and cool. Michael Shore really came back into his own there giving us some good stuff. But in the 2000s, there wasn't a lot that I think was really good. There's a couple things I really enjoy. One in particular I think is incredible, but not a lot, you know? So what's mentioned, there's a couple things I do want to mention before we get into it. First off, I don't have The Office on this list as like the best sitcoms. I know people love The Office, and I, I talked about this a little bit in my 2010s one too. I just can't get into it. I, I, I've watched all of it. I think it's funny, but I don't think it's as like well-revered as it should be. Like it's just so basic to me. It's like basic comedy that like a, like that's like meme comedy where it's like everything's supposed to be something that's funny but it's not really funny it's more annoying and uninteresting so I can't say it's great I just can't be that guy that like endures it or enjoys it and thinks it's something that he wants to watch again I've never rewatched it I think every other show on here I've rewatched some of I've never rewatched all of it fully there's a couple I have but I've never like fully rewatched The Office at the same time too during this time period in like the 2000s, there was some really serious stuff going on in like the UK 
over on their stuff in terms of like sitcoms. Obviously, the UK version of The Office came out earlier. And there's some other shows and they're like in-betweeners and stuff. I don't have those on here. I, I know I should, probably should do a video talking about them. But I just don't have the reverence for those properties or those that a lot of people do. Especially some like younger people who are like hipster and like, yeah, I watched all the, the British versions of these shows. That's great, man. I don't care what you watch. They're good. They're probably liked by people. But I just, I just never had like the affinity for them that other people do. I've watched a lot of the IT crowd. So I guess that's one I could bring up. Like the IT crowd's pretty funny. It's got a nice solid fan base. It's got a nice solid like episode structure. It's kind of like this really, really aggressive kind of deadpan. It's kind of funny that way. The characters are semi-likable. I think at times it's hard to get into it. At Just in certain times you could be like, if you're not really like wanting to get involved in that show, the characters could become very unlikable or just very boring to you. But if you're just willing to have a nice little like binge, I think it could be something some people enjoy. I, for one, didn't hate it. That's for sure. But there's nothing else over there I'm like jumping out of my seat for. You know, there just isn't. Also, The Big Bang Theory, I talked about this a little bit. It's a really good show. I don't think it understands what a nerd is. And that's why I just don't think it's well-revered or something we should be talking about in higher regards of the word because it's just not that great. It's it's cool. There's a lot of great stuff. It gave us Kaylee Kyoku and I like her and everything else she's done that's not Big Bang Theory. It, it launched Jim Parsons' career. Now he's doing some great stuff in other programs. I think it's cool, but I don't hold it with some reverence that other people do. So let's start with this one, and let's talk about, I would say, the seminal sitcom of the 2000s, and that is Scrubs. Now, I think in terms of, like, longevity and, like, people remembering the show, it goes under the radar. I, I know it's weird to say that, like, a show like this, that was really big, I would say Scrubs was really big. It didn't get to, like, that cultural status that other things have during that time period, but I think Scrubs was pretty solid through through and through, you know, like, especially for the first couple of seasons. I, I know later on people leave the show come that last season. We won't talk about that last season, but I think those first few seasons there, they're really solid. They're, they got really good humor. Zach Braff is painfully likable. You could either love him or hate that guy, but I think for the most part, he sticks the landing in being that adorable misfit that you kind of enjoy to see. He's, he's not hate. You don't hate him. Not like later on in the career of Zach Braff where you're just like, ugh, really? You want more money for your Kickstarter? Like, that's annoying. That's annoying Zach Braff. But this one's like, hey, I'm a little weird and kind of quirky, but I'm still like the hospital guy. Look at me. Have fun here. I enjoy that a lot. It did a lot of great stuff. A lot of the characters in this show, actually, like they were all very likable and they didn't like fault from too much of their like original basis as the season progressed. Some people changed a little bit. I think one of them in particular was Dr. Cox, but like, of course he did. He, his humor was very like that, you know what? I'm, I don't, I'm trying to describe what that humor is. It's like very aggressively satirical and it, that could get annoying after a while, but it definitely worked for his character. And as the story progressed and the series progressed, he got a little better in the way he was portrayed. And I think that was really likable. The weird thing is there's not like a lot of um memorable moments from the show. And I think that's weird because from a lot of these other shows I'm going to talk about, there are some memeable moments. And I think memeable moments shows like it's like a cultural zeitgeist that we think about the show a lot. There's a few in here, like the uh, the Dance Turk does kind of being used in Fortnite, I think is one of them. There was the Guy Love song, which I think was really cool. That's a great episode, by the way, where the woman hears everything through a musical. That's really clever, especially in a hospital setting. That's a cool thing to do. 
I think that's really in, in innovative. Like it's just fun. Have that fun. Do your fun stuff. I like that a lot. But this show has just been consistently funny for the first eight seasons, I do believe. That last one kind of sucks, but whatever. It doesn't matter. And it's just kind of impressive that you were able to do that in a show like this because it could easily have gotten stale. It stayed very true to itself throughout the entirety of the show. It was very enjoyable, very interesting. All the characters were likable and unique and fun. Like, you didn't hate yourself watching the show, which is pretty impressive. I gotta say, like that a lot. And Neil Flynn as the janitor is just on a whole other level of just dad humor, and I really enjoy that. Like, this character could easily just come one note and stale, but he was very enjoyable throughout of everything he did I, I really liked having him in there and i really did enjoy this show like you said this one i haven't really gone back and watched a lot of but i do think back on it fondly like i remember i binged it all recently and then i watched it again i watched some of it again i just think it's um it's one of those ones i'm surprised hasn't really come back into the popular zeitgeist like other shows on this list and i guess we could jump into that other show on the list that kind of came back in the cultural zeitgeist that's 30 rock I really like 30 Rock. This one, I think, really made me smile every time I watched it. 30 Rock is straight up my alley. It's got a lot of the humor I like. It's in, set in a, in a world that I'm very interested in. And that's like your Saturday Night Live. Like the, the head writer, the head producer, all that stuff. The people that work at the behind the scenes of that show. That's who we're focusing on here. That's a world I love a lot. I really like those characters and I like that setting. It's really fun to see. It might also have to do that I'm really, really, really in love with Tina Fey. I absolutely think she's hilarious. She definitely made this show work. Without her, it was probably going to fall apart and just be like a parody show. But I love what she did to this show. She brought so much interesting flavor and nuance to it. It just had such a really cool and interesting idea. And she based it off her own experience being like the head producer, head writer there at SNL for a few years. I really liked having that flow come to the show. It was very enjoyable. She got a great supporting cast. You know, everybody worked perfectly. It's the one time I think Alec Baldwin's been likable because he's playing this really stereotyped version of himself and it worked really well. Because come on, Alec Baldwin is not a cool guy. He's not. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, you can like Alec Baldwin all you want. I like him too. He's not somebody I want to spend time with, though. If that makes sense. You know, he's not somebody I'd like go out of my way to see, but they made him very likable in his character. I think it worked really well. Like, he, he was very that, like, Republican Trump era guy where everything's, like, over the top and has the sense of masculinity to it and being vulnerable. It's weird. You always have to be business savvy. That worked really well compared to Liz Lemon, who was just like so bubbly and weird and just so laying low, doing basic stuff, not really caring about the world around her at large, except when it came to the studio stuff, which is really fun. Again, Tracy Morgan, another guy who got a lot of great stuff to do here. I thought that was really cool to see. I'm a big fan of his. I, I like seeing him, so that was pretty cool. I mean, there there's some really good moments in this show. It got very meta at times, which is think why I liked it later on. I'm like, yeah. Go for it. You, you know humor you, works for you, Tina. Go for that humor. You won't fail because that is you personified. So that's where you should go. Aim for that curb. You'll land it eventually. And you did. You stuck through all the weird shit. You made it. It looks really good. This one, I think more so than Scrubs, really had a, an impact in like culture going forward. I think just because it's a little more of that like 
2010 humor where everything's a little more deadpan and over the top at the same time. Scrubs, again, was really funny, but this one just had the extra push to be different kind of funny where it's very skit humor like you see on SNL, and that always has been a part of like the popular zeitgeist, but this one really stuck the landing, I think. I really enjoy 30 Rock. It's such an interesting show. Like We really haven't got anything else like it before i would say it's kind of like the prototype silicon valley feel and what i mean by that is you are focusing on like a niche thing that is specific to like one group of people and then everybody in that group of people knows that world perfectly 30 rock it's like here is the skit show parody show behind the scenes drama silicon valley it's like here's the tech world behind the scenes the people that develop your favorite shit I like that a lot. I think that's a really cool thing to focus on because it gives you a new appreciation to stuff like that, you know? And stuff like that, I think is really interesting to see. You have a great supporting cast. I can't remember the actress who plays Jenna, but she is great. I love seeing her. She's, she's, she's so good at that, like, um, I'm playing really stupid, but I'm so sincere in my stupidity that it comes across as really fun and believable. I really like seeing that from her. That was really enjoyable. Uh, Judah Freelander, is that his name? I love him. <laughs> He's such a talent house. They're all really great, man. They're all really great. They're just really fun. I, I love the show. 30 Rock is a great show. Everything about it just works. It's just really interesting. And a lot of that, I do believe, comes from Tina Fey. I think her comedy works perfectly for that kind of situational comedy, especially in like the later half of the 2000s when this did come out. You're like, this is cool. Thanks for doing this. I enjoyed this a lot. Again, I didn't watch it in the 2000s. I'm a young guy, if you guys can't tell. But later on, I watched it like, yeah, this seems like it's a prototype for a lot of the stuff going forward that we do enjoy. So that's a really cool angle to see be portrayed there. I really liked seeing that. I think it was really fun. So let's get into the one series I have to bring up just because I know people are going to talk about it. So I watched all the show when it originally aired. I think it was funny at the time, but the more I think back on it and the more I decide that it's something I didn't really enjoy as a as an adult man, when I was like a teenager, I thought it was kind of funny. As a man in his 20s, I'm like, this, this just really doesn't make me laugh or interest me anymore. That is How I Met Your Mother. I put it on this list because it is seminal. I think it's defined an entire generation of young people the way Friends has defined kids of the 90s and early 2000s. I think How I Met Your Mother is the one show from this era. I think it started in 2005. I think it's the one show from this era that has really stood the test of time and has become a cultural phenomenon. People still watch it. They still talk about it. They still enjoy that concept. To me, though, I don't think that concept holds up. I think as soon as you start to like pick apart every individual episode and scene and piece of humor, the show doesn't hold up the way you want it to. I think a lot of that has to come to do with how just unlikable the characters are written. Now, I, when I was like 15, I would say, oh, these characters are great. Their comedy's fun. It's interesting. I can't go back and watch that now and be like, I think they're great. First off, I have a lot of problems with the Barney Stinson character. I don't know if we should get into it. I just don't think looking back with 2020 eyes, and I get it, it's a different time, whatever. Looking back with 2020 eyes, I don't think that character is funny. Even when I was younger, I'm like, this is just a lot, a lot of annoying. And you could say it's fun because it's Neil Patrick Harris playing that character, but that doesn't make him likable to me. The fact that that person exists and he kind of gets his happy ending, 
I think is a bullshit thing. All right, before we continue and talk about the characters, the ending to How I Met Your Mother is absolute horseshit. I think it's a terrible ending. It destroys the entire series for me. I just don't understand why that was the choice they made. Unbelievably dumb. Unbelievably ridiculous. Really ruined the characters to me. So I, I just I cannot stand thinking about this show anymore. I, I kind of like Robin. She is fine. I don't have anything to complain about her about, except that they don't give her much to do. And she kind of, she kind of just becomes this piece of just... No, not even a piece. I'm trying to think of the right word for this. She just becomes like a like a prop that the male leads fight over in a sense where it's like she's so perfect in everything she does that each male character that isn't Marshall wants to get with her and wants to have her. And I'm like, she's just an ordinary girl. I guess that's like some deep meta- metaphor where it's like just an ordinary girl could be that impressive to a number of people. But at the same time, it's like, well, you haven't really shown her being interesting enough to be that desirable. That's fine. Uh, Lily's an idiot. She She's just stupid. Marshall is just a dumb goofball. I know a guy like Marshall. And every time I see him like this is just exactly what I expect for a guy like this. And let's talk about Ted fucking Mosby because this character is just the worst. <laughs> he's so unlikable. He's whiny. He's complaining. He's so desperate to find love that he'll accept it in anybody who comes his way. I really find him unlikable, especially at come, come towards the end when everything just becomes this idea that all of it was leading towards Robin. Just fuck off. Fuck off. If you're not likable, I don't think you're that good an actor. I don't think any of the humor holds up in this show. So I had to bring it up just because it's not good. I don't want people to go back and this be the show they watch. I understand why. It's the closest thing we've come to a millennial friends. I think it's New Girl. I think New Girl does a better job at this show and Friends being that silly struggle between like the young people trying to fit into modern society. New Girl does that better than both of these shows because the people in New Girl have believable jobs, whereas the people in this show and in Friends, it's like really weird jobs. Ted is an architect, I believe. We don't even know what Barney does, and that's stupid. It's not even a good joke that he just says, please. It's just silly. I, I think... The further down we go in society, the more this show is going to become hated. Maybe not even hated, just not liked as much as it has before. Because, like I said, we have New Girl, which does this better. And New Girl is way more interesting than this crap. So I think if you are hesitant about starting How I Met Your Mother, don't watch it. Go watch New Girl. (laughs) It's so much better. It is so much better. So we got one more show that is this that style of sitcom. This is the one from the 90s I want to talk about. We got other ones to talk about, but this is like the classic sitcom style that I want to talk about. And that show, I think, is really good. It's one I haven't finished. I'm, lit- I'm in the process, actually, of watching this show. But I needed to bring it up just because the more I watch it, the more I'm like, I want more of this. And they brought it back and it was okay. That's Will and Grace. I think Will and Grace is pretty funny. I I don't put it in my top 10 sitcoms of all time. But out of everything on this list, I think it's the easiest one to watch without getting too invested. It's your classic sitcom tropes. Your leads do their quirky things. They make shenanigans in the world and they they solve their problems and whatever. But I will say (laughs) 
the supporting cast in Will and Grace and characters like Jack and Karen, like they are just top notch. Like I love it so much. They are just so interesting and funny and unique. And the way every character plays off each other is great. I think all the jokes land for the most part. When you get a little flirty and sexy or some of the jokes, I still think they land. I still think they hold up very nicely. Nothing about this upsets me. I think this show is pretty close to perfect in terms for what it's trying to do. Now, it's very much that style of like Cheers or Frasier where you got your tightness cash. They're doing crazy stuff over the top sometimes. But this one it just has a little more like balls to it, which is weird to say because it's like, yeah, you come out in like I think 98 was the first season. You're coming out in a time where being gay is being a little more tolerated, but it's not like widely accepted as it is today or come towards the end of the actual first run of the show. And you're just like, yeah, well, we got two male leads who are openly gay in the world. People know they're gay. They are accepted in their communities as being those. And we got a very good lead from Eric McCormick doing that. I think he really pulls it off being like that straightforward guy as opposed to Sean Hayes, who is the over the top flamboyant Just Jack. I really like it. I like the I like those two's relationship, the way they play off each other. Jack is a great character. Karen again too. Megan Mullally. I think she is just fantastic. I really like them. They're just really good characters, really fun and well rounded. The show is very playful, very loose, very flirty, which is nice to see because it's like you, this could easily have become like a huge topic of debate amongst like the sitcom. It's like this one's so controversial. It's so racy. But it's like, yeah, it's racy in like a cute pulpy way. You know, the characters are having fun. They're dancing. They're enjoying each other's company. They're making their sassy little jokes and it works. You are a part of the fun with them. It doesn't come across as pandering or annoying. I think that's great. It's really fun. Deborah Messing's great in it too. Everyone really works in this show. I think more so than a lot of shows that could be trying to be like this. Will and Grace just has its own flavor and it's very cool. I don't know. I really I really hope people watch this one, you know? I think it's it's another one of those ones like How I Met Your Mother, I think are kind of seminal for setting things up for younger audiences, but they haven't gone back and watched it. I really encourage people. If you watched Friends, please watch Will and Grace because it's just, it's more fun and bubbly and it's cuter. It's definitely one I think a lot of people will enjoy. It has a certain flavor to it that's just great. And it's one you you don't, you don't have to focus when you watch this one because it's just telling you what it is. You know, it's like, here I am. Here's the characters. We're having fun. We're doing our thing. It's fun. It's cute. Enjoy it. So I got a couple more on this list too that I do want to talk about. But these two, these last two, they're probably my favorite on this list. Now, these ones are a little more mature and nuanced. And I think that's an important thing when we talk about comedy. The first one I want to bring up is Curb Your Enthusiasm. Now, I am a huge Larry David fan. I've always liked the guy from the first time I watched Seinfeld up until I heard he was doing this. Now, I again, I'm young. Curb Your Enthusiasm a little before my time. But let me tell you. Does this show hold up perfectly? Like, the jokes are so Larry David. It feels like Larry David just playing a skit version of himself throughout the entire run of the show. He's making references to every little thing that happens. All the jokes land. Everything's great. All of the side characters work perfectly in this universe. Like, it's just unbelievable what this show does. I can't believe it worked. It needed to find its footing later on. Like, the first season's kind of rough coming later on in some of the other seasons it really finds its own i think once leon comes on is when it like really picks up because that's when you're like oh we got somebody 
kind of like Larry, but in a different style than Larry, where he's a little bit more over the top in his portrayal. I really like that too. The show works really well. I think it holds up incredibly nice, and it feels like Seinfeld to me, but like a mature Seinfeld where we can, we're on TV and syndicated television, like Seinfeld is. We can't go into like the the dicks, the vagina stuff. You can't go down that route. We're on HBO, baby. Say your words, say your swears, say your piece about religion and race and sex. Go crazy. Have fun. In the Larry David style of everything's weird, go crazy. Get Jeff Garland in there to do his thing. You know, you got Leon doing his thing. Everyone's having fun. When Richard Fine shows up, it's really funny too. I like that. And the show did come back in the 2010 era, and it was still really good. Like, they had a couple of seasons come out. I think it started in 2017 was when the reboot came back. I can't remember. This show is still consistently funny. You are going to get a good laugh in any episode you watch. Maybe not in like the earlier seasons, but as soon as the show finds its footing, which I think is, I th- I think, if you want my opinion, it's like season three is really where it like finds itself and becomes a great show. When that happens, you're going to get some great laughs, some great comedy stuff for you. There's a whole arc dedicated to a reboot of Seinfeld because Larry's trying to impress somebody. It's hilarious. It's absolutely funny. It works perfectly in context for the Larry David character. He's just playing himself in a really weird satirical world, and it works perfectly. There's nothing I have to complain about when it comes to Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's not for everyone, and I don't think some people are going to get the humor. Like, Larry David's a very complex figure, where I think... Complex is the wrong word, I should say. He is like this type of comedian... That is so particular that if you don't understand why he's saying it, you're not going to get it. And maybe if you love him too much, you also miss the nuance to what he's doing. But there's just something about him I think works really well. He's somebody I'd like just to have like a cup of coffee with, just see what his complaints are for the day. You know, I think that'd be really fun. And that's kind of what this feels like. It's very Seinfeld. It's like, you don't know what the story's going to be. It could be anything, any given day. And that's what it goes to. And it's really fun. It's a nice, lighthearted show. So that's one of my favorite ones in the 2000s. But my favorite sitcom in the 2000s has to go to, I would argue, one of the seminal shows of our time, one of the smartest and most interesting shows out of everything on this list. It's the one I have seen the most. I have rewatched it at least once a year for the past six years, maybe. That, of course, is Arrested Development. Now, ho, ho, ho. I don't even know where to begin on Arrested Development because I could probably do an entire show dedicated to talking about Arrested Development. I love it that much. It's so smart and intricate and it understands the idea of a callback joke so perfectly. It's the background gags. It's the everything that's ever said in the show. Everything that comes out of a character's mouth is a callback to something that was previously said. The humor works perfectly. It still holds up. It's very funny, very controversial at the time too, but it works great. There is very little wrong with this show. The later seasons when Netflix got it, they're garbage, but I still think it's a very enjoyable program. Those first three seasons, all the characters, all the actors even, they do their part so well that it's painfully funny sometimes just to see how they react. And sure, you know, sometimes the references are a little dated or the humor is a little dated, but you're still kind of laugh and you still understand it so perfectly. Jason Bateman 
is the perfect actor to lead a show like this. He gets it perfectly. He is so dry in his delivery. He is the straight man to the entire family. Everything he does plays off their insanity, and it's such a beautiful, complex narrative that they are driving. It's, it's a show that, in itself, is a concept so dumb and over-the-top that it shouldn't work. You know, with, like, the weird, like, running gag of having a twin brother, the weird gag of, like, not being able to cluck like a chicken, or, like, the, the idea of marriage being this weird institution. Like, everything about it just shouldn't work. But it works so good. The jokes all land. Everything about it is so funny and intense. And this show gave us the Russos and Patty Jenkins. They have all of them. The Russos, the Jenkin lady. They've all directed episodes of this show in the earlier seasons. So everything you love about superheroes today, it kind of stems from Arrested Development. Isn't that amazing? That's so cool. I think it's fantastic. This was such a good show. It holds up well. All the characters are interesting and unique. You're going to get a lot of great stuff there. Again, a lot of meme potential. It excites me to see this. I'm a guy who uses TikTok to like view what's going on in the popular zeitgeist. It excites me to see that there's some references from this show coming on the TikTok because a new generation should explore this show. It's got, a, it's got a type of comedy that I think you could do a case study about. And maybe in a couple of months, we will come back and do a case study about Arrested Development where we talk about like the best episodes of the show, what are the best jokes, what is the best character, and all that stuff. Those would be fun things to explore in a different video. But for the best sitcoms of the 2000s, you can't get better than this Critical Darling. It won a lot of awards. It made a lot of people smile. Was the audience there? No. But I'd argue that the 2000s audience wasn't ready for this. This very much feels like a 2010 show. It feels like it's in that era. It feels like that's where it belonged. But it also seems like nobody really got it during the time it came out. Which kind of sucks because it's such a good series. And it makes a lot of people happy. I think I go back and watch this one so much. Just because each viewing I have with it, I can pick up on something I didn't pick up on the first time. And even if I don't pick up on something I haven't before, the jokes still work every time I watch them. There's still something unique about every character's performance. A standout to me is always seeing Tony Hale as Buster. I think he has just a subtle brilliance to himself. And I love to see. It's just great. George Michael, again, Michael Sarah is a really great character too. Just to focus on and see... Has he act in the background in certain scenes? Everything about that show holds up. It's really funny, very unique. Nothing really felt like it again. That's why when they tried to come back like 12 years later, it didn't work just because you can't recapture that magic. It's why the Friends reunion tour, whatever the fuck that is, is going to be stupid because you can't capture that lightning in a bottle again. You you perfected it in three seasons those three seasons hold up, and they're really good to see. They are a really fun and entertaining show. Shows, yeah. They're great. This show has just been so fun and classic, and I love it. So that's everything I have on the sitcoms from the 2000s. Like, there isn't a lot of good shows in this era. There's a lot of decent ones. I guess you could argue Entourage is a sitcom, but I don't care about Entourage. Like, that doesn't hold up. And there was, I think during this time too was kind of where we saw like the Disney Channel boom and where we got a lot of like good Disney Channel shows. So that could be a topic we can touch on too. We'll have to wait and see, but it's fun. I like a lot of these shows. I think every one of these shows has something that people can like and relate to. 
I'm not a fan of How I Met Your Mother, but that show is not aimed at me. It's aimed for other people. So there's something about it I think a lot of people will enjoy and get behind. So that's our topic today. And let's wrap up with our recommendations. I always like to end with a recommendation for you. And because we were talking about TV, let's watch some TV. You know what? Go watch Arrested Development. It's still all on Netflix. Go watch it and check that out. It's really fun. Amazon has all of 30 Rock. Go watch that. It's really fun. I don't know who currently has Curb. I'm sure if you have an HBO subscription, you can watch it. So go watch it there. And because we are getting that new Beatles movie, go watch the best Beatles movie until this one comes out. Maybe this one will be better than it, but go watch A Hard Day's Night because it is so fun, so engaging, so flamboyant and cool and unique that it's one I think a lot of people will enjoy. So go watch A Hard Day's Night. It's worth your time. I promise you on that. So that'll do it for me in this episode of Geek Wave. Now, be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed, be sure to leave a rating so we know how we're doing over there on that. And of course, you can check me out on Instagram, Patreon, Twitter, all that good stuff. And I will catch you guys in the next one. Have fun. Stay safe. Good luck.